Say, why don't you light up an old gold and get ready to laugh? It's time for the Old Gold Comedy Theater. From Hollywood, California, the makers of Old Gold Cigarettes present the Comedy Theater. The only radio program that brings you every week the greatest stars in the greatest comedies. Tonight's play, the radio version of a Frank Ross production, A Lady Takes a Chance, starring Randolph Scott and Gene Tierney. And here is the director of the Old Gold Comedy Theater, Mr. Harold Lloyd. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Our play tonight is called A Lady Takes a Chance. With a lot of men uh, playing the male lead, the ladies certainly would be taking a chance. But uh, not in the old gold comedy theater, because our leading man is Randolph Scott. Uh, thanks, Harold, but aren't you exaggerating a little bit? Well, perhaps I am, Randy. Now, look, Harold, you don't have to agree with me so readily. All right. Stop flexing those biceps. They don't impress me. But they do me. Why, Gene Tierney. <laughs> now, in tonight's play, Randy, you're a cowboy. Your name is Duke Hudkins. You're a rodeo performer. The women all love you, but you prefer horses. Oh, me? Uh, in the play. <laughs> oh, that's different. <laughs> and you hate matrimony. As for you, Jean, you play the part of Molly Truesdale. When you were a little girl, you were so impressed by the story of Little Red Riding Hood that ever since, you've been afraid of wolves. Just between you and me, Harold, I've got a right to be. Yeah, yes, I can see that. <laughs> anyway, in order to keep the wolves away from your door, you go around with your hair drawn back tight and you wear horn-rimmed glasses. You believe that old saw about men and girls who wear glasses, hmm? <laughs> oh, well, however... <laughs> Uh, as the play opens, you're traveling on a bus to California, where your mother is about to be married for the fourth time. But in Creased Hat, Arizona, the bus breaks down. The repairs will take several hours, and so there being a rodeo in town, and you having nothing else to do, you go to the rodeo. Just as you take your seat, a cowboy is thrown over the barrier right into your lap. you, ma'am. How am I? With a six-foot cowboy. Six-foot two, ma'am. With a six-foot two cowboy and weighing 200 pounds. None of it fat. Except between the ears. Get off my lap, you big lunkhead. Oh, I am sitting on your lap at that, ain't I? Have you been having any doubts? Oh, no, ma'am. I've been out with girls before. Well, <laughs> next time you're out with a girl, try letting her sit on your lap. It might be fun. Gee, it might as that. Uh, uh, but you ain't sore at me, are you? Am I? He asked me, am I? With thousands of people watching me dandle a cowboy on my knee. I... It's a nice knee, ma'am. Stop noticing my knees and look. Will I have to get Congress to pass a law before you get off my lap? Uh, sorry, ma'am. I'll get off. There. I hope I didn't upset you too much. I didn't fall off that bronc on purpose. You should learn how to ride in private. Hey, learn how to ride? But, ma'am, uh, 
Why, I'm Duke Hudkins, uh, champion cowboy of Arizona. I always thought the general idea in riding a horse was to stay on it. I reckon you don't think I can ride a horse. If you can, what were you doing on my lap? Uh, come here, ma'am. I gotta show you something. Just a little closer to this barrier here. Well, all right. Here I am. Mm-hmm. This here is my horse, Sammy. Just a second till I get on it. Well, now I know what makes Sammy run. Be careful. Be careful. Mmm. You got on very nicely. Too bad you can't stay on. Now, ma'am, are you still insinuating I need riding lessons? Hey, you're falling off again. No, I'm not. I'm just leaning over so as I can put an arm around your waist. Now, let go. Look, I don't like wolves, not even on horseback. And swing you right up into the saddle. Stop! Stop that! I don't like it up here. You better take a good hold of me, ma'am. I don't like you well enough. What do you think you are going to do? Take you for a ride, ma'am. I don't want to go for a ride. I've got to catch a bus at four o'clock. I'm getting right off. I... My, horses are tall, aren't they? Yep. Not only that. Get Sammy. They travel fast. Him. Horses jump fences too, ma'am. Up, Sammy. Ow! All right, ma'am. Here we are in town. Put your arms around my neck. Never mind that. All I want to do is to get off this horse. Well, ma'am, that's the only way I know of getting you off a horse. Oh, all right. And don't call me ma'am. My name's Molly. Yes, ma'am. And my name's Duke. Phew. Back on the good old earth again. Oh, oh, my legs. Mr. Duke Hudkins, I'd enjoy seeing you hanged. I guess it was a little hard on you. Come on, we'll get you a drink. Drink? You said your bus wasn't leaving until four. Ain't much more than two now. Just time to drop in at the last chance saloon and grab a couple of snorts. I'm not in the habit of grabbing snorts. Well, lady, you need something. You ain't no condition to board that bus. The last chance, huh? Well, all right. I'll take a chance. Lead on, cowboy. But lead slow. Now here's Bob Williams who tells you how to handle a drip. Uh, look, friends, when you're trying to go to sleep and the bathroom faucet goes, mm, 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 drip, 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 drip. Don't call in the janitor and flood him with complaints. After all, why be irritated? Light an old gold. Ah, uh, yes, smokers, you sure turn on lots of comfort and pleasure when you light a fine cigarette, especially today. But listen... You get no pleasure if your cigarette is hot, harsh, and dry. That's why, to help prevent cigarette dryness, Old Golds are conditioned with a special moisture-protecting agent we call apple honey, made from the juice of fresh apples. In addition, Old Gold's unique blend of many choice tobaccos is enriched with rare imported Latakia tobacco for delightful extra flavor. Extra flavor plus extra protection against cigarette dryness. That's Old Gold. Say, as soon as you can, try a pack. And look, when some little drip drops in and bothers you, why be irritated? Light an Old Gold.
And now back to Harold Lloyd and the second act of tonight's old gold comedy theater presentation, A Lady Takes a Chance, starring Gene Tierney and Randolph Scott. All right, Mr. Lloyd. Well, Molly certainly has had a dull afternoon. Absolutely nothing has happened to her except having her bus break down, a cowboy fall in her lap, being taken for a ride that shouldn't happen to Paul Revere, and right now end up in Creased Hat, Arizona's Last Chance Saloon. Hey, Duke, where you been? Hi, Waco. Oh, Waco, I want you to meet Molly. Uh, Molly, Waco's my best pal. Hello, Waco. Hi. Waco? Why were you named Waco? Because she's born in Amarillo. Gee, <laughs> uh, you're the girl Duke fell on? Don't remind me. As soon as I get my strength back, I'm going to start hating that cowboy. Hating him? <laughs> That'll sure be a new experience for Duke. <laughs> Hiya, Duke. Hi, Peg. This must be an old experience. There's going to be a moon tonight, Duke. How's about going for a little ride in the moonlight? I don't know. Sounds like it might be interesting for a short run. Well, come on over here and let's us have a little talk about it. Uh, what's there to talk about? You see what I mean, Molly? Prettiest gals in town fell for him. I guess you ain't got much of a chance with them there glasses and that there hair. Mr. Waco, I don't want a chance or anything else to do with Mr. Duke Hudkins. Oh? All I want is to get on my bus and forget all about Creased Hat, Arizona. But fast. Now, let's get that drink. Hey, Monk. Monk. Yeah, coming in a minute. Hold your horses. Horses. Yep, yep, horses. That's why girls ain't got much of a chance with the Duke. He likes horses better. Yep, huh? that's me. Gal with a pretty face and, and things can have me for a short run, but I don't like to be fenced in. Well, what is he, folks? Irish for me. Beer, Monk. Uh, what did you have, Molly? Whiskey? No. A glass of milk. Milk she wants. Mother, I want a glass of milk. Look, look, lady, nobody drinks milk. How about a shot of gin? Milk. That's for babies. Beer, maybe? Milk. Uh, that's that white stuff, ain't it? <laughs> I want milk. You want... Lady, you are the honorist, most cantankerous... That... I want milk. Okay, okay. You want milk. Uh... Uh, now, look, Molly, Monk don't carry no regular cow milk, but he could let you have a glass of cactus milk, couldn't you, Monk? Uh, uh, cactus milk? Yeah, but I... The nectar of the West, ain't it? Oh, but Duke... If the lady wants milk... The lady wants milk. One cactus milk for the lady, Monk. Oh, all right, but the house ain't responsible. I don't know what... <laughs> what did he say? Uh, he says this year house is respectable. I see. Well, tell me, just how do they milk a cactus? With steel gloves, ma'am. <laughs> yes, sirree, Bob. I'll tell you, at four o'clock in the morning while the cactus is asleep. While they're asleep? Oh, yes. You see, ma'am, cactuses don't like to be milked. Waco, I think you're lying. Why, ma'am, whatever makes you think that? Yeah, here you are. One Irish, one beer, and... Here's your cactus milk, lady. Thanks. Come on, Molly, drink it down. Monk, get out of here. Uh-uh, I gotta see what happened. <laughs> Say, this milk has a wonderful taste. You like it, huh? Well, stay with it, Molly. I sure will. In fact, I think I'll have another one. Uh, another one? <laughs> sure. Milk's good for you. Uh, look, lady, ain't been no one asked for a second cactus milk in 40 years. <laughs> we 
Well, why not? What's in it? Oh, nothing much. A little Applejack, tequila, some gin, a little brandy, uh, plus a dash of bitters. Bitters? What are they for? Uh, confidentially, to kill the taste. Well, I don't care. I'm going to show you, Mr. Duke Hudkins. I don't care. I, I want a second... Uh, a second... Well, what are you waiting for, Duke? Why don't you pick her up? <laughs> she coming too, Duke? I don't know, Waco. What time is it? Uh, five to four. Five to... Well, she's only got five minutes left to make a bus. Hmm. Molly! Molly! Oh, oh. How do you feel, Molly? How would anyone feel with three heads? Confused. <laughs> and none of my heads like each other. And I don't like you. And what time is it? Uh, nearly four. Pick me up. Thanks, pal. Oh... Hold that floor still. It's rocking. You better hold on to me. Not even if there were an earthquake. I've got to get to my bus. Where's the door? Right here. Come on, Waco. They're coming. We can just about make it, Molly. Watch for the door. We can get you down to the bus station about ten seconds flat. There comes my bus. There goes my bus. You should have let Duke ride you over. I should have shot Duke the first time I saw him. Now, don't get upset. There'll be another bus along. How often do they come through, Waco? Every two days. Every two... <laughs> that means I'm going to miss the wedding. Whose wedding? Yours? No, I'm not the one who's getting married. My mother is. Your mother? Hmm. Well, ma'am, I reckon it's about time she got married, considering... <laughs> Oh, don't be a fool. She isn't marrying my father. She ain't. <laughs> no, this is Mother's fourth marriage. Her fourth? <laughs> Enterprising, ain't she? Just goes to show how many men are plain dumb. I beg your pardon. Oh, I ain't meaning nothing against your mom, Molly, but I don't hold with no man's marrying. I don't care what you hold with. I'll have to stay here for two days and... Oh, I could kill you. Where's a hotel? Yeah, we just left the only one in town. The last chance? Mm hmm. You call that a cactus milk barn a hotel? Yep, only one we got. Well, well, if that's the only place there is. There's only one trouble, Molly. On account of the rodeo being in town, there ain't no vacant rooms. Oh. Oh. But, uh, well, I figure on account of I was kind of responsible for your missing your bus. Uh, Waco and me will be glad to let you have our room. You what? I mean, uh, me and Waco will sleep in the barn. Oh, well, all right. I'll go on ahead and get our gear out of the room. Waco, take care of Molly real nice. Yeah. Hmm, dear, thoughtful boy. Well, now, don't be too hard on them, Molly. You see, the gals have kind of spoiled them. They all fall for them and, and well, feeling the way he does about marrying... That man needs a lesson. I thought it was a riding lesson, but... So, Mr. Duke Hudkins has never proposed to a girl in his life? Nope, and never will. Would you like to make a little bet on that? What? 
You don't mean you're thinking of trying to get him to propose to you. That is exactly what I mean. Oh, 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 oh And furthermore, <laughs> when I turn him down, perhaps Mr. Duke Hudkins will realize he isn't quite as cute or irresistible as he thinks. Yes, well, uh, now look here, Molly. Uh, I see what you mean, but honest, you, you ain't got a chance, honey. Even pretty girls ain't been able to... Mr. Waco, I can do my hair quite differently. Hmm? I've got a dress in my suitcase that knows just what to do when I put it on, and... Well, uh... <laughs> how about them uh, glasses you're wearing? Those? Yeah. Mr. Waco, while it may be true that men seldom make passes at girls who wear glasses, remember, a girl can always take her glasses off. <laughs> oh, Shay, I never expected to see Duke, the woman hater, sitting on a hotel front porch waiting for no gal. Shut up. <laughs> oh, Shay. <laughs> Will you stop that cackling and quit that there rocking? Okay, okay, but you know, Duke, you didn't have no right making that gal, Mr. Bush. Hey. Huh? Where did she come from? Who? Well, that gal coming down the stairs. Hmm? Well, the only girl upstairs was Molly. So I guess it's got to be Molly coming down. Molly? Yes. But this girl is... Look at them. Look at those. <laughs> look at her. Yeah, was I to look any harder, I'd bust an eyeball, Duke. <laughs> oh, by the way, Waco. Yeah? I just remembered, ain't that pieball mayor yours lonely? What? You'd better get right on down to the stables. I'll take care of Molly by myself. Well, now, that's downright big you do. Mm-hmm. But Waco making her miss her bus was my fault, so it's up to me to suffer. Well, Duke, if uh, feeding Molly's suffering, I want to suffer. <laughs> you get out of here, Waco. I'll break your darn neck. Here I am, Molly. Here I am. Yep, there he is, and here I am. Just a, just a lady horse's companion. That was a very nice dinner, Duke I'm sure glad you liked it, Molly It's very beautiful out here in the desert In the moonlight Ain't it, though? Just full of, of sand and sand and... And cactuses? Oh, I'm mighty sorry about that there cactus milk, Molly. I... I'm not. You're not? No. If I hadn't drunk it, I wouldn't be here. You know, you're real pretty, Molly. Thank you, Duke. Yep, and uh, you're real pretty. And looking at you in the moonlight, Molly, I got a feeling... Well, I got a feeling I ain't had since my pop bought me my first horse. Why, Duke, that's the nicest thing anyone ever said to me. Uh, I ain't one for talking, so... Gosh. <laughs> you ain't one for talking much either. I, uh, let's just do that some more. All right. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh... <laughs> I, uh... 
just let's... Uh... Duke. Yes, Molly? I like this a lot. But Mother has always been sort of a shining example to me. But, Molly, you sure don't want to get married no four times, do you? No, Duke. Just once will be enough. Molly, I ain't the marrying kind. I am. Now, look, why don't we just forget about this marrying talk and go on like we were before? Uh-uh, Duke. I'm like my mother. I play for keeps. I... I hate women. I'm going back to my house. Good night. Good night, Duke. Pleasant dreams. But, Duke, somehow I don't think you're going to be very happy with your horse tonight. <laughs> <laughs> During this intermission, Bob Williams will deliver a short lecture on how to play bridge. Fine. Now, suppose you have an excellent hand, and there's a fellow standing behind your chair. Well, every time you make a move, this fellow says, Uh-uh, I wouldn't play that card. Now, your natural reaction would be to get up and throw this heel out the window. But the real bridge expert just smiles and says to himself, why be irritated? Light on old gold. Precisely. And why? Because, smokers, you deal yourself a grand slam in real pleasure when you get the swell extra flavor of an old gold, plus its special protection against cigarette dryness. You see... Old gold's blend of great tobaccos, including a touch of tasty Latakia tobacco, is conditioned with apple honey to help retain natural moisture, to help prevent cigarette dryness. So for a better, keener, tastier smoke, light an old gold. But remember, we're producing all the cigarettes possible without sacrificing old gold quality. And while our armed forces get first consideration, we're doing our best to assure fair distribution of remaining old golds. So if you must be content with substitute brands today, be content to know that tomorrow, if you ask, your dealer may have old golds. <laughs> And now back to Harold Lloyd and the third act of tonight's Old Gold Comedy Theater presentation, A Lady Takes a Chance, starring Randolph Scott and Gene Tierney. All right, Mr. Lloyd. So the Duke has gone back to the barn to sleep with his horse and Waco. Yes, but somehow uh, sleep has eluded him. Molly, having struck what she thinks is a telling blow at a woman hater, is sleeping soundly. Suddenly, some pebbles begin tinkling at her window. What was that? Good grief, it's raining pebbles. Molly, Molly. Uh-huh, Duke calling. Who is it? It's me, Molly, down here. I, uh, I hope I didn't waken you. That was the idea, wasn't it? <laughs> Molly, I, I ain't been able to sleep. Oh, I'm sorry, but I don't have any sleeping pills. No, it ain't that, Molly. I, I've been thinking, and, and... Molly, will you marry me? This is so sudden. I've or been it... thinking, and I love you. Molly, will you marry me? Huh? Well, I... <laughs> I don't much like the idea of being proposed to from a distance, Duke. You see that ladder over there? Why don't you go prop it up against my window and climb up? Then we can talk this over a little more quietly. Why, sure, Molly. I got it. 
Watch out. Better hold on to it, Molly. I will. You Here can climb up now. Here I come. Not too fast now. The slightest push and the lateral will go over. I don't care. Oh, Molly, I, I love you. Do you? I sure do, and I want to marry you. Will you marry me, Molly? But I thought you were never going to get married. That was before I met you, Molly. I guess I was kind of stuck up, but I learned better. Yes, you have. The only thing is, your lesson isn't quite finished. Lean over here and kiss me, will you, Duke? You holding on to that ladder? Mm-hmm. Now, how about that kiss? So you want to marry me. But, Duke, whatever made you think I might want to marry you? Hmm? But, Molly, you... No, Duke. If you hadn't been such a conceited person, you might not have been bad at all. But under the circumstances, Duke, I think you're due for a fall. Hey, watch out for that ladder. Hey, you're pushing it over. You're... Hey! Go away, Duke. It ain't Duke. It's me, Molly. Waco. Oh, come in. What do you want? Hey, you threw Duke over, Molly. He deserved it. Oh, he took it powerful hard. Molly, I tell you, that boy loves you. Does he? Yes. That's too bad. I, well, maybe I might have liked him, but it's no use. No, I reckon not. That's what I thought. But, Molly, look, when you push that ladder over, you not only hurt Duke's feelings, he took a bad fall. He, he's hurt? Oh, where? I've got to go right down to him. Yeah, well, uh, now watch them stairs. Oh, he was able to get up and stagger off, Molly, but he's hurt real bad. What what happened to him? Well, he just about managed to climb onto Sammy, and then he galloped off into the desert. Into the desert? Yes. I guess his bones will be whitening out on them desert sands in years to come. Waco, where's your horse? Why, right here, but... Uh... Oh, help me on, please, Waco. All right. There you are, but... You're on, but I, I thought you didn't like horses. Please, Waco, which way did he go? He went that away, Molly. <laughs> Giddy up, you horse, you. Giddy up. John Horse, shift into high or something. <laughs> Duke, stop! Duke, Duke! You fell off. Where are the brakes on this horse anyway? Stop, please, horse. Stop. Ooh. Duke, say you're not dead. Oh, darling, please say you're not dead. No, I don't reckon I am. Oh, Molly. Duke. Oh, Duke, I love you so much. Me too, Molly. Duke, are you hurt? Yeah, only my heart hurts a little, Molly, but I kind of like it. Mm. Mm. Oh, darling, 
this the second time you fell off your horse? You really are a bad rider, aren't you? Wasn't that at all. Sam is just jealous. <laughs> so that's what happens when a lady takes a chance. And a very good idea turned out to be, Gene. By the way, you and Randy will have to give me the recipe for that cactus milk. I thought you might be asking for that, Harold, so I'll have to give you a bottle of it. Uh, well, all right, Wendy, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> but, uh, and I also want to say that Old Gold thanks you both for a very splendid performance. What's on the Old Gold playbill next week, Harold? Well, uh, let's see. I think it's a very wonderful show, Gene. In fact, a scoop for the Old Gold Comedy Theater because we are going to present a new, unreleased Edward Small production, Brewster's Millions, with the original cast, Dennis O'Keefe, Helen Walker, and Misha Auer. We'll, we'll be, be listening. listening. Good night, folks, until next Sunday. See you then. A Lady Takes a Chance was presented through the courtesy of Frank Ross, producer of the forthcoming Picture of the Wolf, based on the Lloyd T. Douglas bestseller. Randolph Scott will soon be seen starring in the RKO production, China Sky. Gene Tierney can soon be seen in the 20th Century Fox 30th Anniversary production, A Bell for Adano. Bob Williams saying goodnight for old gold. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents the great music of Tchaikovsky in a new Lawrence and Lee operetta, Swan Lake. Starring Gordon McRae with his charming guest, Dorothy Warren Show. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another new musical play is brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we're going traveling to Europe to hear some of the immortal themes of the great Tchaikovsky and how they affected the life of an ordinary American tourist named Richard Sims. That's me. And I expect to find Dorothy Warrenshold somewhere among the lights and gaiety of London's Broadway, the West End. And here's Swan Lake. <laughs> romantic fellow. It's a serious fault, really, and a great handicap to a fellow looking for a girl. You see, that's why I'm here in Europe, traveling around Paris and London, trying to find the one girl who can turn my life into a love song. The way I see it, 
A woman should be a flower, a breath, a fragile compilation of moonlight and perfume, a faint smile or two, and a light within that shimmers like the chords of a Tchaikovsky concerto. Tonight we love while the moon beams down in dreamlight. Tonight we touch the stars, love is ours. Night winds that sigh embrace the sky. Tonight we love in the glow that beams so softly. I know this wasn't meant to borrow, but tomorrow will it be gone, or will it always live on tonight? We I've never managed to find that love, not in America and not in the capitals of Europe. So I sauntered across the lobby of my hotel on London's Park Lane, preparing to have another dinner alone. I'm terribly sorry, mademoiselle. I cannot give you a table for at least 20 minutes. But I'll miss my dinner. I can't wait 20 minutes. But the dining room is so crowded. I... Well, what about that empty table right there? It is reserved. Ah, ah, Mr. Sims. Good evening, Andre. Your table is already, Mr. Sims, at this way. Oh, one moment, Andre. Excuse me, please. Yes? If you haven't time to wait for a table, as it happens, I'm dining alone. Would you care to join me? Why, why, you're very kind. Thank you so much. It'll be dinner for two, Andre. Uh, very good, Mr. Sims. Follow me. I know what you're thinking. This must be the girl, the woman I've been searching for. <laughs> no such luck. Oh, she was pretty enough, but I don't think we exchanged a dozen words during the course of dinner. She hurried off without dessert, and I didn't even find out her name. But I sized her up in my own mind. Another American tourist, schoolteacher, perhaps. I signed the bill and said goodnight to the maid of tea and strolled to Covent Garden to watch the opening of the new ballet. And there it happened. There on the stage of Covent Garden, I saw her, the girl. She was dancing the Swan Princess. Did I say dancing? She was floating across the stage, a miracle of movement. A ballerina whose every pirouette, every tour jeté was perfection itself. In the half-light, I searched out her name in my program. Graziana. Tanya Graziana. I could not take my eyes away from that lovely creature in the spotlight. The stage was in deep blue, and her face was a mask of grease paint. But she hypnotized me, 
And I knew at long last I was looking at the one girl I had tried so long to find. When I saw you dancing, I kissed you with my eyes. Violins enhancing the thrilling, throbbing feeling of finding the one I love. Is dancing all I am in disguise. How can I awaken your lips to the cool of my eyes? How can I wake you, take you, make your home in my arms? My arms which are longing so to hold you, fold you, mold you close to my heart, protected from harm. When will you open up your eyes? See your lover longing to let you learn That waking is better than sleeping Beauty, why do you haunt me with your charms? Waken your heart to the call of my After the performance, I went to the stage door and waited like a college sophomore watching for his favorite movie star. But she must have slipped out the back way, in the direction of the London vegetable market, where the cabbages sit alongside the scenery from Swan Lake. That night, I dreamed my ballerina was all beautiful things, combined in one perfect woman. I dreamed that she was in love with me, and she wasn't shy. <laughs> Not in my dreams, anyway.
But you should have telephoned, Mr. Sims. I do not have an empty table. But I can't wait, Andre. I'll miss the curtain at the ballet. I'm so sorry, Mr. Sims, but what can I do? If Mr. Sims is in such a hurry, oh? I would have no objection if he sat at this table. Why, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, Andre? As you wish. It's very kind of you. Oh, turnabout's fair play. Did I hear you say you were going to the ballet again tonight? Why, yes. Would you care to join me? Oh, good heavens, no. How can you sit through a ballet? Why, it's the purest art form in the theater. <laughs> Nonsense. I find it grotesque. My dear lady... A bunch of bandy-legged swan maidens cavorting about the stage, jumping up and down, waving their arms. I think it's silly. Obviously, madam. You have never seen Tanya Grazianov dance the swan lake. As a matter of fact, I haven't. Who is she? greatest ballerina in the world, that's all. Oh, do you um, know this paragon of Covent Garden? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. I'm one of her greatest admirers. In fact... Yes? I'm in love with her. Andre, a menu, please. Well, it turned out to be an even more unpleasant dinner than the night before. The girl kept looking at me with a most annoying expression as if she were laughing at me for loving the ballet. I found her manner quite distasteful, and I bade her a curt goodbye as I left the dining room for the theater. But I was due for a disappointment. Tanya Grazianov did not even appear upon the program. Sadly, I wondered if this could be the end of my one-sided love, and if my brief glimpse of the dancer must be a, a story with an unhappy ending. This is the story of a starry night The faded glory of a new Good night became our last good 
just a moment, we'll return with Act Two of Swan Lake. Say, Marvin, I was on a train the other day and noticed that the conductor had a star and one bar on the sleeve of his uniform. Now, just what does that mean? Well, Gordon, that indicated that the conductor had completed 30 years of service on his railroad. You see, a star counts 25 years and each bar five years. And whether it is the conductor or any other employee of the railroads, you'll find that he's proud of his service, which, like that of the conductor you saw, Gordon, is generally of many years. And you'll find, too, that railroad men and women are proud of the traditions that have grown up about their jobs since railroading began in America well over a century ago. Traditions of good service, dependability, courtesy, and friendliness. For the railroads, with their tremendous investment in equipment and facilities of all kinds, have only good service to sell. Railroad men know that the service must be good, and they work together to make it better in every way. And besides the vital role they play in providing the nation's essential transportation service, railroad men and women are good citizens and good neighbors in the towns and cities in which they live. Last year, more than one and a quarter million employees of the nation's railroads were paid more than $5 billion in wages, more than half of every dollar taken in by the railroads. This money was spent in communities in all parts of the country, to help support local businesses, civic organizations, schools, and churches. Yes, railroad people are good citizens and good neighbors who work together in helping to provide the dependable economical mass transportation service upon which our nation depends. Here is Act Two of the new Lawrence and Lee operetta, Swan Lake, starring Gordon McRae as Richard Sims and Dorothy Warren Scholl as the girl who doesn't like ballet. Of course, she didn't dance every night, my dream girl of ballet. But every program which announced Tanya Graziana in Swan Lake or Sleeping Beauty found me in the tenth row of the stalls following that graceful figure with my eyes. And every performance made her seem farther away. How could I ever introduce myself? And, and what would I say to her when we did meet? I had the helpless, hopeless feeling of a man in love with a, a will-o'-the-wisp that has nothing in his arms but, but moonbeams. Will this be moon Nothing but moon love. Will you be gone when the dawn comes stealing through? Are these just moon dreams? And while the moon beams, but when the moon fades away, will my dreams come true? As I love you, don't let me love you. If I must pay for your kiss with lonely tears, say it's not moon love. Tell me it's true love. Say you'll be mine. 
got a brilliant idea. Simple but brilliant. I would write a letter to the ballerina. With my fountain pen, I could say words that I could never speak. And as I sat in the dark of the auditorium, enthralled by the spinning, flying figure on that stage, I wondered if my letter, lying on the table of her dressing room, might waken the sleeping beauty to an awareness of my love. <laughs> my box at the hotel that evening, a letter. My dear Mr. Sims, thank you for liking my dancing. I shall be happy to meet you for dinner at your hotel tomorrow evening. Until then, au revoir, Tanya Graziana. Was it possible? I couldn't believe my own good fortune. We would actually be dining together. I counted the seconds until the dinner hour. I held my breath as Andre brought me to my table. This way, Mr. Sims. Follow me, please. Good evening. But, Andre, what is this young woman doing here? You have been dining together when you asked for a table for two, naturally. I thought... Do you mind? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm expecting someone for dinner. Mm, a I... ballerina, probably. Why, yes. And I'm afraid I, I must ask you to... Well, I can't very well have dinner with you while I'm having dinner with someone else at the same time. I don't see why not. My dear young lady... If I'd known you were this sort of person, I'd never have let you invite me to dinner. I invited you? Yes, I have the letter right here. My dear Miss Grazianov... What? May I dare to add my poor plaudits to those of the adoring audiences whom you hold spellbound? Why, you stole that letter. You're not Tanya Graziano. Of course not. Well, you're an American. How clever you are. I demand an explanation. Did you ever hear of a ballet dancer named Thelma Green? No. And you never would have if I hadn't changed my name to Tanya Grazianov. Why, if a ballet dancer doesn't have a Russian name, it's like... Well, it's like doing Swan Lake without a tutu. I beg your pardon? Well, that little skirt I wear. You didn't recognize me in it, did you? On the stage, you're taller. Well, on my toes, I am. <laughs> Poor Mr. Sims. You wanted to open up my eyes to your love. Ah, but I'm afraid you're the sleeping beauty. Please, madam. And if you're the sleeping beauty, then I must be the beast. For I've been a dreadful tease, haven't I? If you'll excuse me, please. I most uh... certainly won't excuse you. You asked me to dinner, and now you've got to go through with it. You see... I, I like you very much, even though you are quite stuffy and uh, something of a bore at times. Am I stuffy? Quite. But you'll get over it, I'm sure. You led me to believe that you liked me uh, a little. At least you liked my dancing. I adore you. The only reason I didn't like you is because you said you didn't like yourself. And you didn't tell me that you were yourself. Well, how was I to know that you didn't know that I was who I was or who I wasn't? <laughs> it's all terribly complicated, isn't it? Not really. I think we're falling in love. 
That's a very simple thing, isn't it? Well, opinions have been known to differ, but I'm sure love can be very simple and wonderful. Shall we fall in love and find out? I already have. Dorothy Warren Soul will be back in just one moment. And meanwhile, our hearty thanks to Marvin Miller and to all the members of our company. Swan Lake, with the great melodies of Tchaikovsky, was written especially for the Railroad Hour by Lawrence and Lee. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at the same time by the American Railroads. Marvin? It might surprise you to know that for each of the one and a quarter million men and women employed directly by the railroads, it is estimated that at least one other person is employed by the many industries that supply the railroads. Railroad purchases of materials, supplies, fuel, and equipment, which last year amounted to more than $3 billion, represent a virtual cross-section of the output of American industry and agriculture. Thus, in providing the nation's leading transportation service, the railroads not only create millions of jobs, but are also one of America's best customers. You know, Gordon, it was fun being a prima ballerina instead of a prima donna for a change. <laughs> well, you sure had me fooled, Dorothy. But I'm glad the Swan Princess turned out to be my pigeon. <laughs> What's on the show train next Monday night? Well, Carmen Dragon may be out of a job next week, mm -hmm. or I'm doing the title role in a new musical play called Maestro. Ah. It's all about the adventures and misadventures of a big symphony orchestra on tour across the United States. Um, do you need a soprano to sing with your orchestra, Maestro Macrae? Well, we do, Dorothy, and uh, you have the job. Ah. If you'd like to sing some of the stirring melodies from the Romberg and Lehar operettas. I certainly would, Gordon. Well, then watch for my downbeat next week. I'll be seeing you then, maestro. All aboard. <laughs> well, dear friends, it looks as, as if we're ready to pull out and so until next week and the world premiere of a new Railroad Hour play. This is Gordon McRae wishing you all good night. <laughs> Gordon McRae appeared through the courtesy of Warner Brothers, producers of The Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima. Our music was prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon, and our choir was under the direction of Norman Lubo.
Until next week, this is Marvin Miller saying good night for the American Railroads. Now stay tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. This evening, Eugene Connolly stars on The Voice of Firestone on NBC. This is the Allied Expeditionary Forces program of the BBC. This is a feature of the American band of the Supreme Allied Command. Supreme Allied Command, under the direction of Captain Glenn Miller. Your Thursday night, 30 minutes with the Moonlight Serenader, and tonight's guest, Britain's own Anne Sheldon. And here is Captain Glenn Miller. Thank you and good evening, everybody. Tonight's marching orders tell us that this show is headed first to you members of the forces, and then you folks who are listening to the home service of the BBC. And whether you happen to be listening by the home fire or by the battle fire, we're sure you partners in victory are all hoping for that big day when the Tommies and Yanks come flying home. <laughs>
whether you happen to take one sugar or two in your tea or coffee, you fighting guys seem to like your loving and your music on the sweet side. So, Tommy and Joe, with that in mind, you furnish the gal, we'll furnish the music. Smoke gets in your eyes. the same ideals, the same language, and a common enemy, Britain and America share the same colors and flags. 
So up with the red, the white, and the blue lights as the crew chiefs and the whole gang join voices singing the Victory Polka. to play for some of the finest singing stars in the British Isles. Tonight, our luck holds good for here's a young lady, lovely to look at, delightful to hear, Miss Ann Shelton. Thank you, Captain Miller. That was a charming welcome to your program. And now that I feel right at home, would you care to join me in a spot of song? The idea sounds right. Delightful. What'll it be? Uh, how about I'll Get By? Okay, Ann McGow, come out singing. <laughs> Those empty rings 
Sheldon, that was lovely. And now it's medley time, calling for something old, something new, something barred, and something blue. Our old song, In the Gloaming. new, Sergeant Johnny Desmond sings A Fellow on a Furlough. I'm just a fellow on a furlough Out looking for a dream The one who's in my dreams Every night A lonesome fellow
we make a slight touch on friend Benny Goodman for our bar tune, and he let us have Stompin' at the Savoy. Popular tunes from home seem to have a tough time catching up with you boys at the front. So, by way of a tip to you Yanks, here's a song that's just what the well-dressed voice is wearing this season. Sergeant Johnny Desmond sings it for you, and it's called Time Alone Will Tell. What 
we believe is love may just turn out to be a memory, but time will tell. Do we really care, or do we share a fool's imagination? Nights will hurry by. Then you will know, and so will I. When spring has had its fling, if you are in my arms, we'll know it's not a spell. We'll know it's real, but time will Tonight's anchor tune is dedicated to those allies who gave Jerry a big surprise by taking a quick trip eastward. A rip-roaring arrangement dedicated to the gallant fighters of the Red Army. Sergeant Ray McKinley pulls stroke oar for the Volga Boatman.
I'm talking about. This is Captain Miller saying thanks to Ann Shelton for the nice visit. Reminding you folks out there that we'll be holding down this same spot at this same time next Thursday. Now from the American Band of the Supreme Allied Command, it's good luck and good night. Command, under the direction of Captain Glenn Miller, has been heard on the Allied Expeditionary Forces program of the BBC and on the home service.